Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome to another episode of Missing Frames. I'm your host, Sean Eastridge. This is the podcast where we watch movies we probably should have seen by this point in our lives. And if you already know what movie we're watching this time, you know we definitely should have all seen this movie. But uh, I am so excited that we managed to find someone who hasn't seen it, and that would be Charlene Schmidt of The Nerd Party. Char, thank you so much for being. This is your first Missing Frames appearance, and I'm so excited to have you on here. Yes, it is. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I have always loved this podcast, and I thought if there was ever a candidate ripe for this show, it was me, because most <laughs> of you guys on the Nerd Party are such movie buffs. You know, I I see movies, but I, I it takes a lot to get me to a theater. There's definitely gaps in my knowledge. Star Wars is a big one, so here we are. <laughs> this is perfect. And then, of course, because we can't have a Star Wars episode without a crazy Star Wars nerd, we have Mr. John Mills joining us once again. John, thank you for being here. Woo-hoo! I'm always thrilled to be here, and I uh, there's another checkbox that I was reminded of as I listened back to our Between the Frames uh, for Twin Peaks, The Return sequel. Anytime you do a sequel, I'm on. It's true, so this, and this, this is continuing that. Oh, so there, there go. we go. We keep it going, and yeah. if you haven't figured it out already, look, this is this is an exciting week for Star Wars fans. By the time this episode airs, we will have seen, I assume, at least one or two, or maybe all three of us, the new Star Wars movie, The two. Last Jedi. Only two of us. There you go. Yeah. So only two of us will have seen it. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> it's The Last Jedi. It's being released this week. We have not seen it at this point in our lives. And through the beauty of podcasting and time travel, uh, by the time we return to record the after part of this episode, at least two thirds of us will have seen it. But we are going to watch The Empire Strikes Back. And I cannot even begin to tell you how excited, how excited I am, Char. I know you feel like maybe some nerd cred is lost from not having seen Star Wars, but it was all worth it just so we could do this episode. You are right. You are absolutely right about that. I was waiting for this moment and I just didn't realize it. (laughs) You know, everything does come full circle eventually, right? That's right. (laughs) You know, and I don't feel like my nerd cred has suffered that much as a result of not seeing all the Star Wars movies. I'm sure many other people out there feel that I've lost nerd cred, but I have made... No real excuses, no rationalizations as to why I've not watched these movies. It just, I don't know, it just didn't happen. And the weird thing is, guys, is the same guy who got me into Star Trek, my dad, all those years ago, also watched Star Wars. I remember, you know, I would cut to, in my memory, he'd be watching Star Wars movies, 
But for some reason, and I do not know why, I would never join him for Star Wars, but I would join him for Star Trek. I was just gravitated toward that. I picked one, and that was it. That was it. You can't, you can't like both. <laughs> no, no, I would argue that you can. But maybe I'm just not one of those people. I've had ambivalence my whole life towards Star Wars. And so it has not been until the last year that I've actually watched Star Wars in earnest because Tristan, my co-host on Punch It!, made me watch the original theatrical release of Episode Four so that we could write a sequel to it, knowing that I did not know what happens afterward. I want to tip my hat. Uh, Char, because that was a great episode. Uh, because oh, thank you. I it was I a three-parter. Also... We definitely went full-on <laughs> right. feature-length film with that. <laughs> right, and and the the beautiful thing about it, and I see, I know there might be people that say, "Oh my gosh, how have you not seen Empire Strikes Back? How how could you choose to be ambivalent towards Star Wars and everything?" But in all truth, it's such a joy to find somebody who is going to give like a, a real honest reaction like no matter how much i love star wars and how much i might talk about star wars and all of those sorts of things hear me on aggressive negotiations and great shot kid here on the nerd party but (laughs) while you're sitting there and having those reactions like when i was growing up i'm old enough star wars was it it was the thing you watched you could not go anywhere without seeing something branded star wars it mm-hmm. like people like think that. merchandising is out of mm-hmm. control now you at least have a, a merchandising cycle where like justice league is going to cycle out star wars is going to cycle in the next marvel movie is going to cycle in and avatar 2 is going to cycle in like it was wall-to-wall star wars everywhere and so there's this constant sort of battle of how much of my love is true love and how much of my love is rooted in when it happened and how it happened in my life and so coming at it with somebody who can give a fresh perspective on it, no matter what that perspective is, is such an exciting thing. It's an incredibly exciting thing. <laughs> well, that's so cool. I'm so glad you feel that way. And uh, you will get an honest reaction for sure. And nope, I am definitely not in the fanboy club. Um, Sean, I have to tell you, when you did The Princess Bride, um, I thought that was a great one because everybody, if, who, if you did not watch that movie when you grew up, as you were growing up, I, I think you missed something out of it, but that was my reaction. Your reaction was completely different, and so there's always something different for everybody. Right, and I loved, I mean, that movie was fantastic, but I have to ask, did you, so you, you've you only just seen Star Wars, the original Star Wars. Like, I actually watched it in full last year, and wow. I, I've seen little bits and pieces. I know the pop culture references that come from Star Wars. You can't miss that. But the actual start-to-finish movies themselves, not really. I mean, I took my dad to go see Episode 5 when it came out, however many years ago. Episode 5 in 1980? You took him all the way to the theater in 1980? Oh, wait, no, I'm She's sorry. one of those Star Trek people. It's a time, time. Episode thing. 3. <laughs> every time. John would say sorry they're practically that. the same quality. I would beg to differ, but go ahead. Well, gosh. <laughs> and now you need to be reminded yet again that I know your address, Sean, so I'll be paying you a visit soon. <laughs> there had to be a prequel dig in this episode. We're talking about Star Wars. I'm sorry. That'll be my one and only. I Well... Uh, I'll try. I'm, I'm, I'm cross. I'm even crossing my fingers. You guys can see me Legit. doing this. This it's is happening. terrible. Yeah. So uh, let's look at. It. But yeah. So Shar, you took you took your dad to see Revenge of the Sith. 
Yes, that was the one. Sorry, I think with it being coming, or I think with it coming out in two thousand five, that's where I'm getting episode five. Like, yeah, the uh, whole gotcha. trilogy thing. I get really mixed up on that every freaking time I talk about <laughs> it, at least once. <laughs> but did you like? Did you like Star Wars? Did you like the the movie? Uh, oh, the very first one, episode yeah. four. Yeah. Um, I thought it was okay. I mean, I thought it was a very good classic action flick. You have good versus evil. It's that very. It's a very old kind of storytelling format in that sense but you know what it's done well it's futuristic and it's got you know it's nice space battles pew 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 right mm. and so i can see why it had such a mass appeal and that might also lend itself as to why i've never really gravitated that much towards star wars just in general i'm not a big action flick person huh, um, okay you know, when i go when i want to watch a movie i usually want to like sit back turn off my brain a little bit and laugh. So I go for comedies. Right. Not romantic comedies, comedies, like real comedies. <laughs> uh, but in terms of an action flick, after a while, if you've seen enough of them, they all start to kind of feel a little bit the same to me. And so I get bored with them very quickly and do them sparingly. Yeah. So maybe that, maybe psychologically, that has a little bit to do with why we are where we are right now. See, the, the, what's really interesting is there has been a, a fair amount of debate uh, about Star Wars's impact. I mean, th there's an undeniable mm. cultural impact, but there's also been this sort of tortured argument over the decades that its success was not a bad thing per se, but it was the the desire to imitate its success was a bad thing for mass market stuff because ah. you're coming at it from the perspective of the landscape that's been influenced by it. And I think this ties into the whole thing of like my experience of growing up with it is back then it was so unique. It was such its own thing. And we could recognize right. the imitators versus seeing something after, you know, it's sort of like, um, since you bring up action movies, the wild bunch by Sam Peckinpah, Right. Mm -hmm. You would look at it now. You'd be like, ah, oh, you know, eh, this is a really good Western and I really like this. But if you really look at it, you realize, wow, he kicked the door down. It was like the diehard of his day. You know, uh -huh. he kicked the door down and changed the language for everything. And I, so I think that it's just so interesting because you're again, you're coming at it from the perspective of somebody who hasn't been influenced by being able to recognize it as unique or something like that. Yeah, it's kind of I mean. It literally is, you, you cannot see a blockbuster in this day and age that was not influenced in some way by Star Wars. And it kind of, to speak to John's point, it was both a great thing and a bad thing. On the one hand, you have this amazing movie that no one had ever seen anything like it before. And on on the flip side, it basically made big Hollywood a thing. Which is ironic because George Lucas was really working outside the system and continued to work outside the system for pretty much his whole career, continued to fight the system, and right. it became he created his own system. He created he created his own system. Yeah. He created his own system, but then in turn gave birth to what became the the new Hollywood system, which is which is so interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's true. He yeah. is the system, pretty much. Yeah, and I uh, I so it's funny. A lot of Star Wars fans say Empire Strikes Back is the best. That's almost like. 
it's like the whole thing where, uh, and I mentioned this in the Monty Python episode that I did with my wife, Sarah, but it's almost like saying that your favorite Pink Floyd album is Dark Side of the Moon, where everyone's like, yeah. oh, okay, you're a big Pink Floyd, you yep. like music, you've seen a t-shirt, <laughs> so you've been to a hot topic. But it's like, I, I mean, I think I, it, it's funny because for a long time, when I so when, my experience with Star Wars and... Uh, I'd love John. I I don't know if I've ever heard you mention your first viewing of Star Wars. My first Star Wars experience, I saw Return of the Jedi when I was like six, and I knew it's it's kind of sucks because I never had the experience of watching it in order. I never had the experience of like the shock of the certain twists and turns the story takes, which I assume you know. I'm trying not to spoil. I don't know why, because everybody <laughs> who is listening to this episode knows everything about Star Wars. But I'll I'll do the courtesy regardless. Um, but I so I never got the thrill of watching the story unfold. But I remember watching Return of the Jedi as a six year old kid and just being like, Ah, uh, what, what? And I'd never seen anything like it. And I think I watched them in backwards order i think eventually i saw empire strikes back and then i saw a new hope last but no joke and i'm not saying this because i'm a pretentious film nerd but for a long time the empire strikes back was my favorite star wars movie even as a kid and then i jumped back and forth between that and uh, uh a new hope but i loved um as a kid i was very fascinated by uh anything where the character's suffer this sounds terrible i sound like a really messed up kid but anything where the kid the characters started to suffer or when things got a little bit darker and dimmer empire strikes back is very much the second act of a three-act structure and the second act is where everything goes wrong and for some reason as a kid i was really attracted to that notion that it's like our heroes are very successful in the first movie very like it's like yes everything goes the way it should and in the second one almost from the get-go things start going wrong for everybody and i i I liked that a lot as a kid, but John, did you, uh, what was your first experience with Star Wars or watching Empire Strikes Back? What was that like? Well, my first experience watching Star Wars, my my family always insisted that I did see it when I was three years old uh, because, it, I mean, it was out for a year, basically, when, you know, like back in those days, oh my gosh, I'm dating myself, but like back in those <laughs> days, movies had longer runs in the theater because they were, you know, there weren't there wasn't like a, a 15 theater multiplex sort of thing and it would take you two or three months to get out to see a, a, a movie in, in right. the theaters my parents always told me that i saw it when i was three but i know i also saw it when it was re-released in 79 because of course before home video they had to re-release it in the theater for people to see and so i know that i also saw it in the run-up for empire strikes back and which memory for star wars is from three and which is from five you know who can tell um, but I can tell you that, it, and this is probably from the one I saw when I was five, um, I remember three teenagers sitting in the front row throwing popcorn at the screen and getting kicked out. Uh, and I think that cemented <laughs> How dare my they? code of behavior in a movie theater. Did they not know? Right. The holy relic they were witnessing? But I remember seeing The Empire Strikes Back. It was at, uh, <laughs> I okay, this will mean nothing to anybody that didn't grow up in this specific section of Maryland, but it was at the Aspen Hill Movie Theater, uh, which later became a dollar theater before it, it went away, you know, many years later. But the Aspen Hill Movie Theater was the closest movie theater to where I lived because we lived in essentially the exurbs back then. And I remember sitting in the theater waiting for The Empire Strikes Back to start, and they were playing the soundtrack from Star Wars. And I remember sitting next to my dad, and my dad's 
favorite thing in the world was the cantina scene from the original Star Wars. <laughs> and the cantina music came on and my dad got excited and started like you know, silly <laughs> dancing in his seat. And even though I was like seven years old, I was like, Dad, come on, man. Knock, knock You're embarrassing me, <laughs> Dad. No, I, I would have been six at the time, going on seven. Because it was May of... Anyway. And um, even at six, you were yeah. embarrassed by your parents. No, you know, no wonder is, you're I'm such so a brooding much, individual. I'm so much like him now that it's just terrifying. But because uh, <laughs> I embarrassed the hell out of my kids and I'm proud. But, you know, I, I have that very specific memory of seeing the Empire Strikes Back for the first time. And I'm not going to say any specific parts that bowled me over back then, because, sure, this is going to be your first time seeing it. And I don't want to poison any waters. But I do remember a few key things, and it wasn't the big wow thing that everybody refers to. There were a couple of things that a, a you know a young six year old lad was like, "That was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> life," and I still see those things, and I'm like, "They're still pretty damn cool." So, well, thank you in that case for not spoiling it for me, and it'll be interesting to compare notes after we've all watched it and see yeah. if those oh wow moments are one and the same. Absolutely. And sure. I, I mean, anticipation level or excitement level. Do you, I, So you weren't necessarily a huge fan of Star Wars, but you enjoyed it. Do you is there any level of excitement for watching The Empire Strikes Back? You didn't watch it right away. So I assume this is not at the top of your to do list. But are, is it just like as as the Star Wars season picks up? Is there any level of excitement to finally watch this one? Uh. No, I'm afraid not. <laughs> this is the I'm, most You guys are going to get so much hate mail. This, Who did no, you get for this, this is podcast? Amazing. She this sucks. is like the most unique. I, I think this is incredible because there's no podcast <laughs> out here where you have somebody who's going to come on and say, I've never seen The Empire Strikes Back before and I couldn't care less about it being released to celebrate the last Jedi's yes. release, this is incredible. Uh, no, this is—I'm serious. I think me. this is amazing. We found you. That's what Missing Frames yeah, is I'm all sorry, about. Yes, yes, it is. It's true. It's true. This is like the purest, I think, spirit of Missing Frames you could possibly get for the Star Wars movies. Because, <laughs> yeah, especially is uh, the movie coming out. Everybody's so excited, uh, and I'm like. I'm not going. Have fun, guys. Um, and, and like the I'm merchandising, stay home and watch it's Empire. everywhere. I'm not getting Star Wars bananas, but I will watch the film just for this. And then, you know what? Then I'm probably going to mo move on and then go about the rest of my day as if it never happened. I'll be perfectly honest. I will, I will be so interested to see your I really, I'm just so genuinely <laughs> I'm excited. curious you where this what? is going to go. I'm like, getting I'm excited just anticipating how this might go down. Like when we come back for the after portion of this podcast talking about it, that is what yeah. I'm excited for. Much more I think than the if we movie. Could just, yeah. If we could just pull a quote with you saying, I was more excited about recording Missing Frames than watching The Empire Strikes Back, somehow I can turn that in my favor for marketing and get some more listeners for the show. Somehow. Turn it I think into we a can bumper. Twist it. Yeah, I think yes, we can twist it a yes. little bit to say, like, Missing Frames, dot, 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 as excited, dot, 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 as Empire Strikes Back, or just something like that. We'll just take the quote out something of context like and make it work. I allow you to twist my words for this one occasion. I sincerely <laughs> appreciate it. It's a good it's a good cause. It's a good occasion. What do you say? Let's go and watch The Empire Strikes Back. Now available to own on video cassette. 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. The Empire Strikes Back has been watched. And Char, I mean, everybody, the internet is waiting with bated breath. So first, <laughs> let's just get it out of the way. What did you think overall about The Empire Strikes Back? Oh, you're going to love this. I thought it was okay. It was good. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. I, yeah, I mean, it was it was a very well-made, entertaining action movie. It is very good at what it does. But um, so that's my overall thought. Uh, but well, I'm I'm not a Star Wars fan. It did okay. not convert me. I'm not going to become a fanboy. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was two hours, well worth the watching. But I do not think I'm – if this didn't hook me, I don't know if I'm ever going to become a Star Wars fan. I will agree with that. Is that a that. fair thing yeah, to say? I, that okay. sounds about right. Then, guys, it's not happening. No. Sorry. I, and that and that's that's okay. I, just because, Char, I know your preferred franchise of choice um, on the Trek scale. Are we closer to uh, – what's your favorite of the Trek movies? Ooh, it depends on the day, the hour, what mood I'm in sometimes. <laughs> okay, this, I mean, <laughs> this could be its own. It's like picking your favorite kid, you know? Like, I don't know. You know what? Let's, uh, let's compare it to the TNG movies. Let's go outside okay. of the box. Everybody falls so, back on the TOS uh, my movies. My favorite of the TNG movies, it's got to be First Contact. So are, are we're comparing okay. it to that, yes? Yeah. It's, we're, if we're saying First Contact is best, then what? Insurrection is the worst? Is that pretty – I don't know. Everyone... Um, I, I kind of like Nemesis a little less. Okay, so so Nemesis is the worst, so. and First Contact is the best, and then we've got Generations and uh, Insurrection between. Where does Empire fall? If you were to compare on that level, is Empire more First Contact, or is Empire more Nemesis for you? Oh, I think it's definitely closer to First Contact, both because they're good action movies, but they're just probably, they're arguably, because the internet is listening, they are arguably the best of their their respective franchises. Now, I will say this. Mm-hmm. I do think the reason why it's not going to ever convert me into a Star Wars fan is that I think I missed this boat. I can see why people just went crazy over this film when it came out and ever since. And I think if you grow up with it, when you're a kid and you watch this, I'm sure you are blown away because it's accessible to kids. I mean, it's a simple story and you can follow it at any age. That's great. And so when you grow up with a movie this great and this majestic and this well-made, uh, I see how it happens. Totally. I get it. I miss that boat. Right. So it's just hard. It's hard okay. to connect on that level when you – it is. It's tough. As, as a Star Wars fan, I've, I've often tried and failed to a certain extent to disconnect myself from that experience of, like, I grew up with it and I really love it. Um as a film fan, I've been able to kind of reconcile both my extreme Star Wars fandom with also my ability to just look at it as a film and say, these are really great movies and I can admire them on either level. But it is hard to know if I saw Star Wars today, would I have the same extreme passion for it? And I probably wouldn't, but it's hard. It really is. Star Wars is is a, a, it's a franchise all on its own terms because, man, the the spectrum of reactions all over the board it's just like 
your reaction is so dependent on so many things when it comes to Star Wars and you and you loving <laughs> yeah. you loving a Star Wars movie or not liking a Star Wars movie is always going to be dependent on that to the point where it's almost unfair to the franchise because it's never ever going to be what everyone wants it to be in that regard. Oh, I think that goes with any yeah. kind of fandom where people have grown up with it. They're lifelong fans of it. It's really hard to take ourselves out of it, our own personal experiences and biases toward it. Because, I mean, we see this with Star Trek all the time, too, of course. it's You can't just sit back and say, is this good or isn't it without putting yourself in it? Yeah. Because it's like your own little piece of ownership of it. This means something to me. It's really hard to remove that. Exactly. And it was very, like, you know, yeah. a good example is with Star Trek Discovery. I only watched the first episode. I'm a Star Trek fan. I, I just watched The Next Generation all the way through for the first time. And I, I think it's one of the great television series of all time. I, I, as a as cool. a casual Star Trek fan, I Next Generation showed me what it is about Star Trek that makes it so loved. And I agreed with it completely. Cool. And uh, But as, at, like, you know, comparing it to kind of your experience with Star Wars, I will then go and watch something like Star Trek Discovery and where a more devoted fan might be willing to put in the time and say, like, you know what, this doesn't necessarily work for me, but I'm going to wait and see how it turns out. I watched the first episode and was immediately like, like I'm out, I'm done. But if you're a fan... Not into it. Right, yeah. exactly. Well, those if are very drastically different brands of Star exactly. Trek, Exactly, sure. and you're, if you're a fan of something, you are willing to put in that time and effort. And it, I think a lot of that speaks to how someone would react to Star Wars if they grew up with it. They're going to be more willing to kind of like, oh, well, I'll let this slide because I love it and I loved it when I grew up with it or with any franchise. Yeah, you know, I, I do want to ask, though, Shar, because you are on Punch It, yeah. which focuses on writing. It's an excellent show if anybody's listening. You know, oh, we, I think we mentioned you. it before. You know, you should it's listen fantastic. to it. And you and Tristan wrote your own sequel to Star Wars without having seen Empire Strikes Back. Mm -hmm. And I invite everybody to go back and, and listen to that because it, it was a lot of fun, especially as a longtime fan. In terms of where Empire went with the story, was there anything that felt like the rug was pulled out from underneath you? Or Because one of the big things about Empire that everybody always refers to, especially from quote-unquote back in the day, is it reversed every, everybody's expectations of what a sequel did with a series. Oh. And Because usually sequels are just more of the same with, well, and we'll add a few more elements to it. It worked the first time, so we're just going to make it work harder this time. Where were you on the reversal of expectations? Did you feel that way about it? No, not at all. And in fact, I hadn't really thought too much about that until you brought it up just now. I, you know, I didn't really see this movie as much of a sequel, even though I guess that technically is what it is. But I loved the way that this movie picked up right where the last one left off. You know, you've got the intro text, brings you up to speed as to what's happening right now. And then you jump right in and it is expected that you've seen the first movie. And of course, then it ends expecting that you're going to go see the next one. This is not over. And I really appreciated that. I mean, there's no reintroductions. There's no rehashing. Just going forward. Yeah. And I um, I love John bringing that up because a lot kind of what we were saying previously, it's hard to watch Star Wars now and not feel like, oh, I've seen this already. And what you forget to, to realize is that Star Wars is the reason you've seen this already and it, it paved the way for everything. <laughs> Empire is the same thing. You know, a lot of a lot of people will cite The Godfather Part 2 as like the sequel and that's totally, I, I have no argument against that, but I think it's unfair to leave Empire Strikes Back out of that conversation because without a doubt, Empire Strikes Back proved that you could take a fun popcorn movie and imbue it with 
you could develop the characters, you can make it more meaningful, you can deepen the themes, and you can go beyond just saying, like, you know what, let's just repeat what made the first one successful, and you can say, let's not do that. Let's make this a more uh, emotionally satisfying and moving experience. And that's what's most impressive to be about Empire Strikes Back, is that the filmmakers did, George Lucas was willing to take that risk and say, no, let's take the story forward. Let's let's do that. And he empowered his storytellers to do that. And and I think that's why the movie works so well. And it set the template again, not just for for blockbusters, but for sequels in general. Because at this time, at this moment in time, sequels were not a given thing. It's another thing Star Wars either yeah. you could say contributed or to its detriment. Uh, it it basically made sequels a thing that you could do because whenever a, a popular movie came out, sequels weren't a given because people always felt like sequels were never going to be as popular money wise or critically or with audiences. Empire Strikes Back was really kind of the the proving statement against that. And from that point forward, it was like, all right, we need a sequel to everything now. Uh, but but speaking also in terms of the the structure. Char, you know, you rightly identify it works as the serials that Lucas loved so much growing up, which there are a, a huge callback to, you know, the, the Flash Gordon serials that he would watch growing up and everything, which is actually, you know, where the title call, crawl comes from and all of that. But like, do you think even though this is given with you should have seen the first one, we expect you to see the next one. It's the old serial feel. Do you think that somebody could come into Empire Strikes Back cold and still enjoy it? Or do you think they need Star Wars as an integral part of the experience? I think if you don't see Star Wars, you maybe have a harder time grasping who the characters are. But I think you can jump in and still get something out of it, sure. I mean, I, I think even though this film is the middle child of this trilogy, you can still watch it and it stands on its own. I think it is that good. Yeah, I agree with that because I, I, again, I saw these movies backwards, and as a kid, I'm not thinking about like, oh, does this work on a storytelling level? I'm just like, how does? <laughs> I mean, this is amazing spaceships and monsters and lightsabers. But like, I, as a kid, I was able to jump into Return of the Jedi having no context and enjoy it on its own terms. I was like, well, that's the hero, that's the villain. Star Wars is very good. It's just clean cut heroes, villains, good, bad, light, dark. That's it. Empire Strikes Back complicates that a little bit, and Return of the Jedi kind of brings it back home as far as just kind of setting up the stakes. Or, or well, Empire sets up the stakes, and then Return of the Jedi kind of pays them off. Um, but so as far as so the movie itself, um, let's let's walk through the story. As far as were there things about this movie that really worked for you, especially compared to Star Wars? Like, did you watch this movie and say like? oh, I really like that this is where they took these characters, or I really like that they did this instead of doing this. Like, what are some things that stood out to you about the plot that really kind of, you were like, I like this a lot? One thing I really appreciated over the first movie was that every character that we got introduced to in the first movie has a little more time to shine and do things in Empire Strikes Back. I really appreciated that because some characters, they were introduced and then underutilized. Everybody kind of gets a little moment in the sun. And that's not even to the detriment of our hero. He still gets to be the hero. So that's awesome. I, th I think they did a much better job of balancing that. Is there a particular character you can think of that, re that really applies to? Um, I, I would say Leia got a little more to do. 
I'd say R2-D2 got a lot more to do. Yes. And maybe even C-3PO. Even Chewie, he gets more dialogue. <laughs> yeah. So never, that's a yeah. win in my book. More Chewie dialogue is never a bad thing. Um, <laughs> is there anything about yeah. uh, was there anything about it that you, like, on the other hand, didn't work for you? That you were like, oh, Star Wars, the, the last one actually did this better? Or I don't really like where this went with that storyline. Hmm. Oh, that's a tough question to answer with only one viewing under my belt. Mm. Nothing really stuck out as, ooh, you shouldn't have done that, or I don't like where that's going. Mm. It, nothing struck me as terribly odd or off-putting. Great. What about the big reveal? Because, of course, back in 1980, that like people's heads were exploding in the theater. Right. I'm going to go know? out on a limb and say, <laughs> I, I sincerely yeah. believe this. I still think that's the greatest twist in cinema. Like I, I, I think that's absolutely brilliant. What it did for, and it's a bold creative choice to say, yeah. to, like we were saying, you could have played it safe, just had it be another adventure movie, but it went darker, it went deeper, and then to top everything off, it doesn't end with an action climax. It ends with like a devastating emotional climax where the hero, the paragon of good in this story, has not only been defeated, but then you find out like the the one of the great ultimate evils in the galaxy is his father and now as as i've appreciated empire strikes back as a film fan more and more every time i watch that scene it never fails to give me shivers and it's shocking to me because that scene has become so ingrained in the day-to-day -day of of life yeah. like it, it's been parodied it's right. been it's been overexposed but without fail i am so invested in the characters i get very I, I get like shivers when he says, no, I'm your father and Luke's reaction to that. But nobody's interested in hearing what I think because I've seen this movie a million times. Char, <laughs> what do you think? True. I'm sorry to jump in and interrupt that. <laughs> oh, nonsense, nonsense. Uh, so with the big reveal, of course, I knew that this was somewhere in the Star Wars saga. I did not know if it was going to be in this film or the next. So when it happened, I thought, OK, it's here. I loved the natural way in which it came out. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like it was this big reveal. It was just, it was, they put it out there and then it's just, boom, there it is. And suddenly there are way, there's much more dimension as to why Vader wants to capture Sty or Skywalker. I can't Star talk Wars. anymore. The main character, Star, <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars, that guy. <laughs> uh, and it goes much more just beyond revenge, which mm -hmm. that is so much better in terms of telling a more complicated and rich story. I really, 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 really liked what that did. John, I want to ask you, um, when you watch this movie, like I was saying, it, it's fun to try to watch these movies in the context of what it must be like to watch it for the first time. And I'm yeah. wondering, one of the things it's hard to remember and that I try to put myself into this mindset while I watch the, the lightsaber battle is mm -hmm. Luke is not mm -hmm. fighting his father, as far as he knows. He is fighting the man who murdered his father. How, as a kid watching this movie for the first time, what was that like like for you what was the emotional experience of like okay luke is gonna get the guy who killed his wait what like what can you like i think you were the the <laughs> person here who uh, got to experience <laughs> that firsthand without getting it spoiled that's not i'm sorry i know nope. that uh, we don't want to date you but that was a really long-winded and polite way to call me old <laughs> So that's cool. I appreciate that. Um, oh, no. I can tell you that it was, uh, I fell on the spectrum, and, and, and it's interesting because Irving Kirshner called this out. When I was a kid, it was a big debate as to whether Darth Vader was lying. Mm -hmm. And oh. Irving Kirshner called this out and said, anybody under the age of 10 
Vader's the father of lies. You can't believe him. He's lying to Luke. This isn't true. And mostly everybody that was post-pubescent was like, oh, damn, that sucks. You know, and like, so it all depends on the age. And then when you get older, you realize it makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. why Vader is so obsessed with him and getting a hold of him. And so that, you know, but it was a big debate. I mean, the years between 1980 and 1983, there was a huge debate. Was Vader lying or not? Mm-hmm. Nobody oh knew God. for I hadn't sure. even considered that. Yeah. That's what's cool about it. I just took it. him face value. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to separate yourself from the knowledge that is like a common debt. You're basically born knowing this information and to forget that there yeah, was a true, point in time actually. where you did not know for certain if Darth Vader was telling the truth, if that was just a way he was trying to manipulate Luke and get him yeah. over to his side. Uh, mm-hmm. It's fascinating. I, I mean, I love talking about that because I... It's it's hard for me to detach from the franchise enough to look at it as what it at or look at what it accomplishes just in terms of pure storytelling. I would ask you, Char, outside of that, the big moment everybody knows from Empire Strikes Back, were there any other moments that hit an emotional note for you, like really impacted you? Um, and I'll open the door because I've talked about this, uh, I think, over on Aggressive Negotiations. But there's a moment actually in Empire where I, I actually tear up and sometimes cry whenever I watch it. And I'll go ahead and open it up to, to the world here. When R2 lays down the smoke screen and the music swells and the heroes are running for the Falcon and R2's coming out, just booking as fast as he can and the bolts are flying by him. Like, just talking about it, I get goosebumps. Yeah. I'm and getting shivers it, just hearing you talk about it because I completely agree. It's funny. It's such a simple moment. Yeah. But it's like, again, John Williams is an integral part of why these movies work so well. And that is an excellent example because if you take out the music it's like r2 sprays a smoke screen but like right with that heroic theme coming in i completely i completely agree that's a standout moment for me as well but are there other standout moments for you char where outside of the no i am your father is there something where you were like wow that hurts or oh my gosh that's great joy or sadness or, or something like that you know the whole r2 scene that didn't get me as much as it got you guys although it is heroic and r2 is such a loyal creature uh it's it's great it's a great moment for him but the one thing that really stuck out for me was the reveal of yoda oh yeah because i mean i knew i knew who yoda was and it was an interesting thing where um, i kind of was playing a game in my mind of is with the introduction because uh yoda starts off really kind of like as a goofy almost muppet like character Mm -hmm. and i always knew quotes from yoda being very like wise and old soul like and it gets to that point later on but it starts off so goofy i thought is this a friend of yoda like is this a village of yoda like creatures <laughs> i didn't completely know what was going on yet and so then when it we find out oh it is yoda i thought oh oh okay well well that's cool <laughs> so uh that one stuck out to me just like because they did get me guessing a little bit and i thought Oh, I fell right into that, didn't I? <laughs> Excellent. I love- no, I'm, I'm happy to hear that because I think that that first interaction between uh, Luke and Yoda, especially when Yoda gets in the fight with R2, is so silly. I, you know, I think as a longtime fan, you lose sight of that reveal. I, I, I really like that you, you call that out because you do lose sight of that reveal over time of how profound it is that this weird frog creature is yeah. this ancient Jedi master. It's like, wow, that's unexpected. Yeah, you're expecting anything but that, basically. Mm-hmm. And they Which s- is why they went the way they did. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, 
as far as as just to to jump in and pretty much everything with Yoda for me, all the scenes between him and Luke are like the soul of this movie. And the heart is Luke and or not yeah. Luke, uh, Han and Leia is definitely the heart of the movie. I love their relationship, their flirtation, and their eventual romance as it really? blossoms. Let's go to this after you're done. Yeah, sure. And uh, so I love. Um, Yoda, just just all the stuff Yoda teaches, it's it's some amazing bits of wisdom. Wars not make one great. Do or do not. There is no try. I love that. I love seeing Luke get so frustrated and like how impatient he is. And like I said in the the before part of this episode, the first movie, everyone kind of succeeds and they have victories and there are struggles along the way. But for the most part, everyone gets the job done and they get what they want. But in this one, Luke is like, I, why are we wasting our time? I can't do this. I can't do that. You want the impossible. And Yoda is constantly humbling him. And Luke is constantly learning lessons. But, I mean, I love – you just forget how how moving those scenes are. And when the, Yoda is describing the Force and what it means, that's the moment where I get emotional is where he's like the, you know, the energy around us. You know, we are luminous beings, not this crude matter. And Luke's just like, I don't – this is so stupid. And then Yoda – lifts his x-wing and he says i don't believe it and yoda says that is why you fail and it's just like very beautiful life lessons yeah very very uh profound life lessons that again because it's star wars you're kind of you take it for granted but you watch it and you're like this movie especially thinking of like showing this to your kids and like as a moral compass for them to give them good values what a beautiful story like to say like you aren't going to succeed and you're going to struggle but believe you have to just believe in this stuff and you have to put in the work and, and the effort to make it happen. Um, I love yeah, all that. Speaking of scenes that really stood out, that might have been my big emotional moment. Now that you bring that up, I thought that was really moving. That was really well done. Mm-hmm. But uh, cool. so, Shar, you, you seem to, to, to perk up when we started to talk about Han and Leia from from a female perspective as someone who is never <laughs> who is not like ingrained in this world who is not like oh i love everything about it how does that relate does that relationship work for you or does it not work for you how do you feel about the han and leia dynamic the difficulty i have is taking 2017 sensibilities out of this movie because it's not made in 2017 (laughs) right so of course leia had to pair up with someone right i mean she's the only female in this sausage party here so (laughs) that's just what they're going to do with movies made in this time and yes i did find it off-putting because can't she just be a badass and stand on her own and not get involved with someone Mm -hmm. really really so that that's where i perked up just knowing that i have a a certain bias with the time i'm in right now and what i would want (laughs) <laughs> get again putting my expectations into it sure. and that's that'll that was kind of uh okay i mean it worked as a relationship getting it closer and um, i i don't know i'm interested to see maybe where it plays out in the next film mm-hmm. do, it, do, yeah. is there payoff does it work well or doesn't it because like right now i just feel like eh, mm-hmm. maybe i would like to jump back just a little bit to before we jumped into this I do think this is the movie where Star Wars, like Luke, grows up. Yeah. They mature together, which I think is a part of why this film works the way it does and succeeds and establishes this franchise for as big of a thing as it is. Yeah. No, I completely agree, and I think that's why it is seen as the strongest, uh, absolutely, of the series and of this trilogy in particular, why a lot of people really perk up and say, huh, that was actually really good. Although I'll throw a challenge flag on that. You are talking to someone who 
prefers Return of the Jedi of the original three, uh, which okay, made me okay. which made me a huge pariah for many <laughs> years. <laughs> you have, yeah, I mean, Char, just to give you a lens on this, you're talking about a film that is not only revered and respected as I feel it should be, but if you don't choose this, if you're a longtime Star Wars fan and you don't choose Empire Strikes Back as your favorite, people look at you sideways. They have <laughs> for my whole life. And hey, John, you yeah. know what? Having not seen the next film, you're perfectly okay in my book. I appreciate that. Thank you, Char. I, I you know, I feel like this no is, judging. This you know is what, a John? Moment. I've, I've gained what? strength from the sharing here. You know what, I've John? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> having, you know, having seen Return of the Jedi. Uh, you're absolutely not okay in my book, John. And I just want to put that Oh, that's okay, there. Sean. If there's one book I'm okay with not being okay in, it's yours. <laughs> so we're good. We're good. <laughs> um, but so back to the, the Han and Leia thing. I, um, yeah, I think Return of the Jedi definitely provides context as far as th- what their relationship means. Um, it's fun to watch this movie because you do see this kind of like this smarmy, cocksure kind of jerk come in and be like come on you i'm a pretty great guy you have to admit it like she expressed her true feelings or he's he's a smarmy little jerk but it's all kind of based in the the knowledge that we know there is something there something genuine there and even though they spend a lot of time bickering and flirting and being like no i don't like you oh but you do like me I was just like, I if I were in either of their shoes, I couldn't resist either of them. So how can they not be in love with each other? Um, I, but I'll I also it- say I'll also say that at the very least, you have the payoff that at the end yes. when Han is making his sacrifice, he cracks and that that cocksure bravado falls and you find out that he really is inside. Right. Like it's it's a defensive mechanism that he's had up. And in a sense, Leia could always sort of see through it. You know, because you go back to the, yeah, but you go back to the argument in the beginning, you know, you know, you can leave as well. I'll I'll leave when I get you out. You know, like there are these moments where at the very least Han isn't, uh, uh, you know, Matthew McConaughey from Dazed and Confused. He he has an (laughs) actual soul about him. There is. And that's, that's another one of my great emotional moments in this movie is the, I love you. I know exchange, which apparently it's, it's fascinating to me that people found that the people took that as hilarious like apparently in the theaters people were like i i don't know if this was your experience john but apparently people no. thought it was like so funny like that he they because i think they took it as him just being like again like oh he's so cocky i know but i always took it as like it it was it, it was just a beautiful moment he didn't have to say i love you too it was he they it's almost like we don't have to say it i know i i feel it and the whole movie has been about their relationship has been subtext, subtext, subtext. Do they really like each other? And then that's the moment where they both finally kind of admit it in their own way. Right. That was like the one genuine moment they had. Yeah. And what's what's fascinating um, is, j- just because I know you're not as steeped in the lore, Char, is that was improvised on set. And oh, was it? There's actually there, there's oh, an cool. old, there's an old book that I have, Once Upon a Galaxy, which was written by the 20th Century Fox press agent where he was on set and Carrie Fisher got upset because Harrison Ford and Irving Kirshner did it without telling her. And they were like, oh, well, you know, and she was like, no, I'm not upset. She's like, it's fine, but why can't you tell me these things before we start filming? Right. Well, in the making of the Empire Strikes Back book by Rinsler, 
they kind of right. they have a whole transcript of apparently mm-hmm. Kirshner had a audio recording in his pocket while they he directed that yeah. scene and Carrie and Fisher's it's... whole thing was like I want to be in on the conversation I want to be in on these creative decisions right. don't leave me out to dry um, which is understandable I mean I get that yeah totally and Lucas originally fought Kirshner on it and didn't want to include it and Kirshner pushed back and said the audience is going to love it this is going to be this is an iconic moment and Lucas let him put it in and they said we're going to do a test screening and Lucas was like, you know, when people hate this, then we're going to go to my version. And the audience, in, in the words are, they roared. They loved yeah. it. And everybody talked about the scene walking out. And Lucas, I think much to his credit, looked at Kirshner and said, okay, we'll keep it in. Yeah. Like, it, it was Good just... Good for him. Yeah. He was willing to go with it. Yeah. But I think it's interesting, Shar, your opinion is very illuminating. Like, on the flip side, as we're illuminating things as fans that you didn't notice, it's interesting from yeah. your perspective to kind of to bring that whole thing about Leia and why does she have to have a romantic relationship with somebody because is it because she's just the female you know and that's just the given in these kinds of movies right the one female you know i i it's an interesting perspective (laughs) and i can understand the kind of uh frustration there but um yeah i mean that happens so much in movies that being a female and watching that not every not every female character has to get paired up with somebody. It's just it's so old after a while. So, uh, Shart, do you have a favorite character at, at the end of this? And is that favorite character different than your favorite character in Star Wars, the first one? Yeah, I think so. I think my favorite uh, from the fir- first film was probably Han Solo. Just cocky bad boy mm. doing his thing and doing doing it very well. Uh, this time, I got to go over to Yoda. Man, I love a wise sage uh figure to learn from mm-hmm. and he fits that bill so hardcore were you awesome. impressed like I, I know that uh mark hamill gets a lot of flack kind of rightfully so for his performance in a new hope which uh, i i give him a pass because he's very enthusiastic and and energetic but he's whiny in the first one and in empire strikes back <laughs> he brings a lot more nuance to his performance was there a particular performance uh, in this movie that kind of stood out to you as like, oh, wow, that's really impressive. Uh, was it Yoda? I mean, mm-hmm. Frank, Oz, to be honest, that that the puppeteering work that Frank Oz pulled off is a miracle in and of itself. Uh, I never oh, no kidding. I never. So good. Yeah, I never once think of Yoda as a puppet. And when I do, I'm like, oh, my God, what how did they do this? This is incredible. But uh, is there a performance yeah. that stands out to you in this movie? You know, no one in particular, but I do feel like as a whole, the group is a little more synergistic. They're working together a little better, a little more. And everybody's performance, I think, upped a little bit. Mm-hmm. This movie does. I mean, it, it, it. we were talking earlier about how sequels are bigger and better. Well, this does have those qualities in this film. Everything is a little bigger. Everything is a little better. It's a little more refined. It's got a even bigger cinematic quality than its predecessor. Uh but as far as any standouts, I just feel like the whole thing or the whole thing stands better, okay. <laughs> if that makes no, any it, sense as a whole. No, it does no, make makes sense. sense. I'm yeah. stumbling over my words, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So you'd say, would you say you like it more than A New Hope? Yes, I definitely do. I okay. think they did a better job with this film. Yeah. And John, what do you think? Uh, do I like it better than New Hope? See, yeah. Thing, paint me into a corner. Yeah, I do. I mean, no, in all honesty, I mean, if all the chips are on the table, like Star Wars, I love and respect and I can watch every day for the rest of my life. I couldn't do that with Empire because it's so heavy and dark at points. But I gleefully uh, acknowledge that the the direction performances and story are 
such an advancement beyond the last one that yes, this is a technically better film. Yeah, yeah. I think the first Star Wars stands better as a sing a, a standalone piece of storytelling. You can watch that and enjoy it, but Empire enriches it and it makes Star Wars what Star Wars is now. It it, it basically totally legitimized it and turned it in from like the amazing fun special effects movie to the deeply moving like morality tale that it is now considered today um but uh but yeah so so after watching empire strikes back shart is there any interest in going on to return of the jedi at some point whether it's for missing frames, hint, hint, or just on your own. <laughs> like, is, do you have any interest in, in following up someday? The truth is I would watch it for missing frames. Am I going to go out and watch it on my own just for my own personal enjoyment? Probably not. I don't need to. I could totally <laughs> take it or leave it. But I've enjoyed the conversation that we have all had about this. And I've learned so much from you guys about this franchise and why you love it so much. I feel like even if I'm never going to be a part of it, I at least understand it a lot more, which I can totally appreciate. So thank you guys. And so if in the future we do want to return for one more, let's do that. That would be amazing. I think we should. And just to yes, keep John yes. in the running for the sequel episodes <laughs> of Missing Frames, we've got to do it. There we go. But, mandatory. So, uh, so final, <laughs> final reviews, final ratings. So on a scale of one to five, with five being the highest and one being the lowest, how many malfunctioning Millennium Falcons would you give this Char? I got to give it four and a half. It is wow, a okay. really, yeah, it's a really decently made, enjoyable action flick. I don't ever get completely exhausted with the action sequences. There are some peaks and valleys while the story does move forward. There is a little more meat to this story. And like we were saying earlier, everything is just a little bit better done. Everything is a little bigger. Everything is a little more complex. This is, I think, where Star Wars becomes Star Wars as we know it. I mean, this is sort of what solidifies its path going forward anyway. It, it becomes this icon, right? And I get it. I can totally see why and how it happened. So, of course, with it being malfunctioning, I've got to have that little half because it's not <laughs> completely at a five, but it, it's almost right. there. There you go. And John, do you want to give, I mean, I'm sure the people at home know both of our opinions by this point, but do you want to give just final thoughts on Empire Strikes Back? Anything you might have picked up from this latest viewing? No, I, please, I've watched this thing so many times. It's just, it's just, <laughs> the only thing I pick up now is like editing mistakes. I'm like, I just don't, I have to tune those out. Um, I, I will say that uh, as a fan, all of them always get five. Because, you know, I love all of them. Um, I love, okay, seven out of nine of them uh, equally. <laughs> um, I will, yeah, seven out of nine of them equally. Maybe six out of nine. Anyway, uh, I, but speaking as strictly a, just as a film fan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind up siding with Shar four and a half because mm -hmm. I think that as much as I love this, as much as it's wonderful, as much as I think it's great and wonderful and everybody should see it, Every time I revisit it, there are certain parts where I feel like it just lags a little bit. Is that mm -hmm. because I've seen it hundreds of times? Maybe. But there are certain points on Dagobah and in the asteroid field where I'm like, we, we could move this maybe a little bit faster. Maybe mm -hmm. one or two minutes faster here. Um, but that's such a nitpicky thing. I'm just going to go ahead and say five because that's easier <laughs> and I don't want to be killed. Yeah, it's hard, again, to look at it. 
I, I was I was talking about it with my good friend Richie, who just did a 124 minutes of Empire series that everyone should check out. He analyzes each minute of this film, um, and he and I were talking about it where it's like you, for Star Wars fans, Star Wars almost exists on its own plane. So like even a good Star Wars movie is almost a great movie just because it's a Star Wars movie. Um, which is is not fair and biased, sure, but because of that, I I can't give this anything less than five stars. I feel like there's so much about it that I I, ad, I admire the filmmaking. I admire how they they pushed the story forward without sacrificing the fun of it, and uh, I love everything about it. The score I think is maybe John Williams' best score ever. Um, it, there's so much there's so much I I love and appreciate, and just on film terms, I I really appreciate that they they took a big risk and said we're going to do something different and basically paved the way in the same way that star wars paved the way for blockbusters empire strikes back paved the way for sequels so there's something really amazing about that so yeah that's it this is awesome i'm so glad we got to do this this is such a a fascinating uh an amazing and fascinating take from Shar and Shar, thank you so much. I can't wait to have you back on the episode or back on Missing Frames just to do Return of the Jedi or whatever other films we can think of. But it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. And John, I'll go ahead and admit it. It's it's amazing to have you on the show all the time. Thank you so much <laughs> for being a part of this. It's 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 always a joy to have you on. I'm the Lando Calrissian of Missing Frames. <laughs> I show up at just it's the right true. point. I'm just waiting to be betrayed. And, uh, and where, it's where coming. Can, let's, let's give some plugs to your... You guys have shows on the Nerd Party. Shar, uh, where can people find you in the Nerd Party and on, uh, on social? Yeah, I am on Punch It! with my co-host Tristan Riddell right here on the Nerd Party Network. And we recently rebranded it to where we talk a lot more Star Trek and the writing thereof. But occasionally we still go out on away missions talk on random things, but it's mostly Star Trek now. And then also uh, on Twitter, you can uh, hit me up and send me all of your hate mail to (laughs) Oh the Profanity. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. And John, what about you? Well, if you send hate mail to Char, I will step in and, uh, and, and uh, if she wants, I will, uh, I will help um, (laughs) fight off you super nerds. I got a thick skin, uh, John, and I appreciate that. But honestly, I, I really do not care what mean things people say on the internet anymore. (laughs) Well, that's good. I'm so desensitized. I don't care. You've taken your first step into a larger world. If you want. Um, but, uh, I'm Castle Junkie Online. Um, and you can find me here on the network. I am co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations with Matt Rushing, Great Shot Kid with Mike Schindler, and then you can find me over on Trek.fm co-hosting with Mike Schindler, Stage 9. And you can find me co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig because I never sleep. Sleep <laughs> never happens in my life. I was wondering how you got all this done. Yeah, sleep is for the week. I'll sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> Which may be sooner than I want. If, if and you I, keep going at this rate. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, I'm at Doorman. You can follow me. Let me know what you think. Rate us wherever you're listening. There's sure to be a rating system. And uh, follow the Nerd Party at Join Nerd Party. And on Facebook, like the Nerd Party on Facebook. Uh, It's been a pleasure. I hope our audience enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed being a part of it. And may the force be be, what is it? What is that line? I totally may the force live long and prosper. (laughs) Isn't that it? Isn't that it? Let's go with that.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.